Hello and welcome to this episode of Bloodhound Picks. As always, I am one of your hosts, Craig. I'm Kyle. And I'm Josh. Hey, and this episode, it is Josh's double feature pick of Don't Panic from 1988 and The First Power from 1990. So since it's Josh's, I'll let him take it away. Are you ready, Michael? Yeah. One, One two, two, three. three. <laughs> Promise never to play with the Ouija board again. Oh, oh my God. Hey, you guys. Maybe he's right. We shouldn't play this game. Tony. <laughs> Let's do Don't Panic first since it came out before and it's fucking shitty. <laughs> uh, so I, I, we had been doing this thing where um, the, we were like, I haven't done it, but Craig and Kyle were doing like themed type things. Yeah. Um, we, we, we love our themes. <laughs> yeah, which I could give a shit less about themes. <laughs> Fuck themes. Um, However, I had this I had this idea up for like a like a Satan theme for this week. So um, I chose Don't Panic and I chose the first power. So Don't Panic, Craig said, is from uh, 1988. Um, not surprisingly, there is not you can't even fucking find like general knowledge about this movie. Um, that's how fucking ridiculously bad it is um so like you go you google the film and there's not even a fucking synopsis on google you have to go to fucking imdb to actually find out what this movie is about to get a fucking log line um so yeah from 1988 uh and it was directed by ruben galindo jr and ruben also wrote this film um and imdb says that uh, Don't Panic is, uh, on his 17th birthday, Michael unwittingly unlocks the evil forces of a Ouija board. Um, yeah, I guess that happens. <laughs> um, this movie was fucking confusing on top of being bad. Um, and it wasn't trying to be confusing. It just fucking was. Um, seemingly nothing that happens makes any sense. Um, and it's not 
based on characters making bad decisions, I don't think. Uh, which, you know, in in a movie that cost $5 to make like this obviously did, you know, sometimes that's, that's a big problem is characters' decision-making skills are really fucking poor. That wasn't necessarily the case in this. It was just nothing made sense. Um, I saw... I, and it, this was the first time I had seen this too, um, which was astounding to me because I just fucking eat up obscure shit. But for some reason, I had never seen this one. And I had read that uh, there were these comparisons to A Nightmare on Elm Street, which <laughs> is fucking insulting to <laughs> A Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, fuck that. Um, that was baffling to me. Um, I guess in a, at a certain point um, near the end of the film, you could say that, you know, you, you can sort of see a nightmare on Elm street, but I mean, that's fucking insulting. I, um, I could see more like a nightmare on Elm street two, maybe or some, I don't know. I can see the whole series. Like, I just feel like there's not in a good way, but just that, yeah. <laughs> that they're going like, Oh, that let's do a thing like that like they did in that movie and like they did, mm-hmm. you know, in part yeah. four or whatever. And they're just doing the worst job of it. <laughs> yes, that's, that is very true. I, um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Craig. I was going to say that I, um, yeah, to go off of that, Josh, watching it, I was paying attention. Well, I thought pretty well for the most part, I guess. And there were points where I'd be like, did I doze off or did I blink at the wrong time or something? Because it just seemed like I missed a whole chunk of movie. The whole the whole intro <laughs> of the Ouija board is like that because his friend yeah. pulls it out and he's all mad about it. And you're like, yeah. there's a backstory here that you yeah, never there's... reveal to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe somewhere there's like, there's like a, a, an, a longer cut of this film. Um, I don't know. Vinegar Syndrome, for some reason, which is a great company, uh, put this out um, for some fucking reason. But the copy that they have is the is the 90 minute or 89 minute whatever um, version. So, um, yeah, sure as shit seems like there's stuff that was there and then got removed. Um, and it, it's pretty much it's in a lot of places where yeah. it just like, even, even like, even like, um, like some of the, some of the location switching was just like, I, and I can't remember specifically, it's been too long now, but where it was just like, how, why, when the fuck did this happen? Like going from, going from, uh, um, you know, like the kids, you spend a lot of time in the, in Michael, the, the main actor or the main character's house. Um, but obviously there's other locations too. Um, and I just remember being like, how the fuck did we get here? You know, or, or just some bizarro well, fucking editing stuff. Yeah. And it has weird, mon- like it has the whole them, what him and the girl they like spending, yeah, the montage of them spending the day together. And he gets out of giving the guy uh having to give the guy a pass by giving him a, a porno or whatever. But or they whatever still, 
yeah, he. So there's like a guard at their school that's not going to let you in because you're not supposed <laughs> to be late. But he bribes Which him is like, what? Yeah, it you makes no sense. You can't go to school because you're late. Well, then, uh, huh? Even when you get in, you can't get into <laughs> class. So then he skips class with the girl he likes. But she's also like, well, what if we get in trouble? And I'm like, but how do you get in trouble if they won't let you into school? What should you exactly. do? Exactly. Well, yeah, you try to go. It's not only that he skips the first, then it's like, so they can't get into the first period. So in yeah. that mentality, they skip the whole day of school. <laughs> I mean, that's sound high school yeah. logic. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. It's the most realistic decision. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of decisions that were, that were, um, very, very, very suspect. Um, for some reason, the, the main actor is a 30-year-old guy playing a 17-year-old <laughs> high school student who spends 90% of this film wearing fucking underoo pajamas. And you are meant to, I guess, take that seriously. Um he yeah, it's it's like fucking astounding. It's fucking astounding it's amazing it's it's fucking astounding <laughs> and i like so i mean obviously we're going to be potentially giving spoilers if you oh, know we're spoiling the whole bit. fucking thing yeah <laughs> go watch the movie if you haven't seen it and you are worried about spoilers if not whatever yeah you can't but, spoil something that doesn't really make sense yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the thing with the flower it's like so the yes. movie ends that he dies and then she's saying his name and it like does you're like okay let's just end it there that makes sense but then it goes to his funeral but then it still has her i don't know it's this weird editing that doesn't really work again but then she throws the flower onto the the coffin and it reblooms yes I was like, and by that point you know the movie is over but to me by that point i was like jesus Christ. <laughs> i'm yeah, done it's... i'm done with it pretty amazing ending yeah and then the camera goes all um, like the filter changes or something i love that it's uh they it's obviously a mexican film but they had yeah. to come up with all this sub all this pretext of it being like um well my dad you know got some job or whatever and now we're living in mexico city <laughs> yeah. for yeah. and there's gonna Wherever, be ever yeah prominently place coke cans everywhere yeah and then like yeah, the, we're... the first line is like it's his birthday and his friend is leaving and he's like is it your first birthday in mexico city and he's like yeah and he's like you'll get used to it what the fuck yeah. does that mean well it's also that he moved to mexico and the cast is primarily white yeah, yeah. Like, they're all speaking english they all are white aren't they yeah but i think they're still some of them might be Mexican and just be like white skinned or something, uh, or something weird. You know, I don't know. They still yeah. have that vibe. They didn't seem American exactly. Uh, I mean, that, that's a good that's a good um, segue into some of talking about also uh, some of the worst acting I've ever seen across the board. <laughs> like literally every single one of them was fucking awful. Yeah, the line reading, especially that girl, deadpan. Oh fuck! Every single time. Well, we have to talk about his freak out. 
Yeah, so, yeah, that's a very that's another very good segue. Also, yeah. yeah. So basically, there's the Ouija board that unlocks something, and then we kind of they kind of half-ass the whole idea that like uh, <laughs> he's either possessed or he's seeing through the killer. The kid, eyes. the main yeah. kid, yeah. And the rules are super muddy, but he's freaking out yeah. in his bedroom because he's seeing stuff. <laughs> but it's the most like ineffectual. I'm going to destroy my room scene ever where like <laughs> me and Josh were talking about it before we were on where he's like, he throws a shirt at a poster and it just kind of falls because it's a shirt and then he does it again. And then he fucking uh, runs and rips the poster down off the wall. And then there's a slow motion <laughs> shot of him hitting a cup of pencils. And he's in those yeah. under under So he looks like he's 10 years old and he's having like a 10 year old fit. And yelling that he's not crazy. It's like the best thing I've ever seen. Well, they probably, it was probably one of those where they're like, okay, just have a, <laughs> yeah, throw a fit. And then, but that's all the direction they gave him. And then we'll just film it. <laughs> and that, was, <laughs> that was the best he could do. Yeah. It, His it improv was, skills were not up to par. <laughs> no. It was also hilarious, well, too, that. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that this actor was is 30 years old playing a 17 year old. So let's just say for the sake of argument, this is a 17 year old, you know, almost out of high school aged person. And not only is he wearing underwear pajamas for 90 percent of the movie, but also his posters of choice on the wall in his bedroom are like of Ferraris and Lamborghinis <laughs> and like exotic sports cars. And it's like, what the fuck are you, what are you talking about? And they make some offhand comment that he's big into racing. Yeah. Those aren't fucking race cars. What? I don't see the correlation. That's another moment it, where it's super awkward where his girlfriend's it, over and he's <laughs> just like, yeah, I just love racing. It's just... <laughs> Speed is just like freedom. Like they're trying to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're trying oh, to give him some kind of depth. I guess I don't know. Yeah. It's just like what? Well, it, yeah, it's an one of those where it's an adult, clearly an adult writing for a, a you yeah. know, a teenager, but they're yeah. no longer in touch with being a teenager. Well, they're yeah, like, and they're like writing. <laughs> they're writing for a teenager, but they ended up writing for like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh fuck! Another one. One thing, like I said too, it's been a little while since I since I watched this, as we had to not record one day or one weekend. But one of the things that in, about this movie, I mean, there are there are numerous, but one of the things that really stood out to me, and I I wonder if you guys noticed this. I I'm sure you did. It was like the one of the only times that I actually rewound the movie was, um, it's toward the end when I believe it's. Uh, the character is one of his friends and they are in a car mm -hmm. and they get their throat slit. The kid that's like the friend. Yeah. And yeah. he, the actor, the actor obviously had an appliance that you see on his neck <laughs> that was, that was pre-cut. So the knife, you know, drags across the throat and the actor also had obviously a blood cap in his mouth because 
as soon as the knife dra drag drug across the appliance, he bit down on the blood capsule and blood, you know, leaked out of his mouth, yeah. but nothing came out of the appliance. And he kind of like leans over and falls. And then once the appliance is sideways, then all the fucking blood comes out of it. And I was like, oh my God, that was fucking amazing. Because I, I was like, I, I, for whatever reason, I was like, that was the coolest thing ever. I rewound that part because it was like, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> I like that they take that guy who's like a minor friend character out of his house because yeah. he's drunk. And yeah he's in his underwear and they get him to like the car and he's like, where am I going? Where are we going? I don't even have my pants. Let me go. Get <laughs> he's like, I got an idea. Let me go get my pants. So like, no, fuck you. And the other guy goes to get his pants. But the whole situation is like, they don't want him to get killed next. But for some reason they're like holding at gunpoint and they won't just tell him what's going on. <laughs> what? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Well, and I think uh, going back to the Nightmare on Elm Street thing, I think the ending is very, it feels so much yeah. like they're ripping off Nightmare 2 because it's in that weird, like, industrial. Oh, yeah, that's place. true. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, industrial place also pops up in the other film that we're going to be talking about, kind of. Segway. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> any, um... any last minute or any last comments on don't panic i mean you know again i think we've done a pretty good job of <laughs> telling you what you're going to be in for um you know and as i've said too i'm i'm uh, i'm a huge fan of just real obscure shit especially from the 80s and this was fucking hard to get through it is it is it is worth a watch at least it's only 90 minutes so um and it's yeah, I found it on um, it's on YouTube. I know as well oh, okay. for anybody that oh, that wants okay. to find it because I know it was on Tubi, but it went off. So at least by the time this drops, this episode, it should be on YouTube if you want to watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Tubi also um, must have must have known that we were going to need to access it for both of these fucking movies because they <laughs> miraculously both got taken off. Which um, is, and the other movie, the, the other movie like is on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so get it. So going into the next film, which thankfully I owned this movie because this movie is fucking really good. Um, at least to me, uh, I, I was blown away when I first saw this movie. Um, it's called The First Power. Since the beginning of time, Satan has worked to create the perfect killer. One who kills many without reason. One who cannot be stopped. Today, that man exists. Be warned. We're just going to go through a very small door here. Lou Diamond Phillips is hunting a man who kills for the sake of killing. Tracy Griffith might be the only one who can help stop him. I know where he's going next. What? Oh. But this location fits the pentagram pattern on the map, and my informant says this is where he's going to strike next. 
This is the third time in less than five years that Logan has been responsible for the death or capture of a serial killer. See you around, buddy boy. I doubt it. Each death makes him stronger. How did you know where he was going next? I opened myself up to him. You might have executed his body, but his spirit has been released. He has the third power. He could be anywhere. How's the stomach, buddy boy? <laughs> Logan! He has the second power. Hi, cutie. He could be anyone. Sister. Oh, I'm afraid she's not here. Now, he has the first power. See you around, buddy boy. Immortality. You don't have any idea of what you'd be facing. <laughs> From 1990, it's very 90s. You'll yes. you'll you'll notice that right away. Um, and the log line reads for for the first power: uh, a Los Angeles policeman hunts a killer brought back from the gas chamber by Satan. Um, it makes sense to me. Um, well, it's it's so '90s that it's a B horror movie, and the protagonist is Lou Diamond Phillips. That's how '90s we're getting. Exactly, and and <laughs> Lou 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 eats up the role of Russell Logan, the LAPD detective character. He's just fucking amazing. Um, peak '90s Lou Diamond Phillips. Um, so the killer in the movie, the actor is Jeff Kober who does a great job also uh, being this psycho sort of Horace Pinker wannabe guy. Um, this is one of the first, this is one of the only films too, that I know of anyway, there probably is others, but I don't know of them that really, really, really like shocker, um, <laughs> yeah. which is fucking yeah. awesome. Uh, shocker is, is amazing. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. This movie clearly likes it. Um, there's a lot that it has in common with Shocker. There's a lot that it doesn't too, but I mean, the influence yeah. is pretty obvious. Um, yeah. So what do you guys think of the first power? I fucking love this film. I was glad I wanted to do, I basically wanted to do this as a pick of mine since I first saw it. So, and that was a while ago. I, I mean, I liked it. I did a, so it might be, I might be kind of, bias because i did a double feature back to back with dope i did dope panic first and then the first power so then by the Which time is I way got you should have done them yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but i mean by the time i got to first power as you know I, can, I was probably out of it at points but um no i enjoyed it i think i even like the kind of ending i like how you know he's going into these different possessing like and there will be spoilers He's possessing different bodies. And so you're seeing kind of what the nun, who is the sentimental and the one who kind of gave us a lot of exposition in the beginning, kind of. Then she goes all crazed 
because now she's possessed with it and you kind of have these little moments and the whole, yeah, it is in a water, I think it's a water treatment plant. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I, yeah, I liked it. It was fun and it was, yeah. Yeah. I fit, fit the bill for those type of movies. Yeah. It's a solid serial killer thriller and I love LDP. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> is that how we're referring? Who to doesn't? <laughs> yeah, I like to abbreviate actors' names. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, there's some really fucking impressive stunts, like especially when yes, there's a sequence when he's chasing the serial killer to the top of um, a parking garage, and the guy jumps off. And this is the '90s, so someone really fucking jumped off, and it was like yeah. very impressive. Um, <clears throat> And the other standout moment to me was they're chasing him into some sort of like seedy apartment building or whatever, but he rips a fucking ceiling (laughs) fan out and then starts using it to come after them, regardless of the fact that obviously it's not, (laughs) he ripped the cord out, so it wouldn't be running, but it's worth it. The logic doesn't matter at that point. It's just insane. Yeah, um, that's a great part. Um, and that's that stunt that Kyle just mentioned too, um, where the where obviously somebody fucking jumped off this. I mean, it was fucking insane how the height of this of this thing was, and the shot that the that of the of the person doing it, it never cuts. So you literally see. It, it actually like creeped me the fuck out a little bit because it was like, I don't know how the fuck they just did that, but that was amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, the ceiling fan thing yeah. was just amazing too. Um, obviously we know that there's some supernatural stuff going on by that point. Um, and yeah, the he obviously rips the fucking ceiling fan out of those, out of the ceiling and the blade just starts going like so fast. It sounds like a helicopter rotor. So you know that if you touch that thing, you're going to lose a fucking hand. I also thought, uh, so he teams up with a psychic who was like giving him tips to originally catch the killer before he goes full supernatural. Um, I thought she was pretty good. And I was like wondering who the hell she was. And she's Melanie Griffith's sister. That actress. I can't remember her name now, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, um I also felt like um I also felt like the the script had some really well-timed and good comedic things in it. Like obviously intentionally, a lot of it was just through dialogue, but to me, I don't know, it always worked and I always thought it was funny when it was in there. Um because Lou Diamond Phillips, you know, in typical neo noir ish LDP fashion, he's a he's a cynical bastard, right? So he's got a lot of he's got a lot of dialogue where he just you know spouts out not necessarily one liners, but in that vein, and they always it always like when it was trying to be funny to me, it was it worked and it was fucking funny. My favorite one, which I don't even know if they're trying that much to be funny, but they're like, he's talking to the psychic about what's going on in some park, and there's a hot dog vendor, and the guy looks at Lou Diamond Phillips, and he's like, oh, she just got out of the hospital. 
And that guy's like, yeah, maybe she should go back. (laughs) (laughs) That was was the best, like, gay player. Yeah, that one was good. Um, there, it also, I think should be noted too. um, the, so the LDP's character is detective Logan Russell or Russell Logan, Russell Logan, my bad. And the character in the movie, I've seen it a couple times now, so I might have a, I might have a little more, uh, I might know it a little better than you guys, but the character takes an unbelievable amount of punishment throughout this movie. Like it's kind of ridiculous when you think of, and you actually track like all of the like stabbings and beatings and car crashes and every fucking thing that this character has happened to them throughout the course of this story. Um, And then it sort of culminates in, in terms of like the most brutal shit near the end, like before the final confrontation, he gets into a car wreck. And again, since this is the nineties, they actually wrecked a fucking car, which looked amazing, but the wreck is so fucking brutal. And it's like, there's no goddamn way that you would have fucking been any. And like after the, after the, the cars like come and has come to rest, Lou diamond Phillips is, is in the car and he has like a bloody face, but otherwise he just gets up and like walks and it's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) LDP man, nothing can stop. Uh, yeah, him. yeah. We also got a bullet. <laughs> Be, right before the parking garage stunt, there is a uh, chase between a Buick Oldsmobile and a horse and carriage. <laughs> just, oh, that's why I missed the '90s. Like, yeah, so good. Yeah, this movie. This movie definitely, you know, for for coming out, it actually would have been shot in, at the tail end of the '80s. But it came out in 1990, and it was way ahead of its time, considering <laughs> how 90s it is. You will definitely know what I'm talking about. I also love too how the script just kind of gets completely hate like bonkers in like toward the end of the film. Like you know, we mentioned that uh, the pentagram killer—that's what Jeff Cober is known yeah. as in the film. Um, after he, you know, he, he, he gains the first power of resurrection. That's where the title comes from. Um, and he starts possessing bodies sort of like Horace Pinker. Um, and at one point near the end, um, he, uh, possesses uh, the body of like a, uh, homeless bag lady. (laughs) And it is again, it, I don't know why, but it's like that he's possessed people up to this point numerous times but for whatever reason when he possesses this bag lady this lady is fucking hilarious i mean the the dialogue that was written for this for this character being possessed by the pentagram killer it is fucking funny and she like kicks the ever loving shit out of ldp too um this is after she floats up yes and levit it was total fucking Salem's lot. She's like levitating outside the window of his apartment, which is you know x amount of stories tall. Yeah. Breaks in that way and then kicks the ever loving shit out of LDP. Get I don't know how many nut shots she gives him. There's more punishment for LDP. 
but she is the she that bag lady that possessed bag lady is the cause of that brutal car wreck that we were referencing earlier and it is just fucking hilarious that whole thing i wish i almost wish that he the that the killer never would have unpossessed that bag lady yeah it was just so fucking funny that lady for some reason made me think of prince of darkness too Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it it might have been just the wardrobe. Like, yeah. it's like yeah. I, she almost looked like she had the same wardrobe that Alice Cooper had in Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Or it was damn fucking similar. <laughs> I agree. So, yeah, I love First Power. I thought it was magnificent. So that's the one it's, we recommend. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, if you have to watch one of them, it is kind of, you know, it, it's it's a pretty clear <laughs> line of which one we recommend. <laughs> yeah, and and it is one of those things too that is just sort of sad when you, when you see first power. Like one of the first things that I thought when it was over was, motherfucker, they just don't make shit like they used to. Dude, just, we, oh. just so unfortunate. We almost forgot to mention the. Uh, mm. So at the beginning, they're doing like a sting. They're trying to catch the killer, yeah. and there's a woman walking around who's actually a cop. And there's that fucking guy from. Um, there's the druggy nurse from Nightmare Three is one of the cops. Oh yeah, because he's like hitting on her. I think that's. I don't think he's even in the movie again after that. But wait, wh- who now? So you remember in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, there's the girl, there's Taryn, and there's yep. that one male nurse guy that's like, come on, we can go to Club Med. I got the key. Oh, the thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That was cops. the fucking guy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Oh, God, dude. I'm glad you brought this up because there's another fucking actor that we have oh, to mention. And it takes, like, at one point, at one point, LDP and his psychic girlfriend, which obviously the, the love angle... I'm so glad there was a love angle, but it didn't come into yes. play until it was basically yeah. over. So totally fine. Anyway, they decide in the middle of the day that it's time for some day drinking yes. and they go, oh, yes. they, they go into a bar and the fucking bartender is Bill Mosley. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, he has one line of dialogue that was completely pointless and didn't need to be in there. And then he's not in the movie anymore. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? Bill Mosley bartender. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Very strange. <clears throat> so there's a couple more reasons that, you know, you should definitely see First Power. <laughs> yes. Some random ass casting. And this and the, the the acting in this film is solid all across the board. I thought yeah, I thought cool. Jeff Cober was great. I don't really know him from anything really. Um yeah. But yeah, yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah, I mean, they all, was it? They all kind of, I guess all the actors knew what type of movie they were doing. True. Yeah. Nobody was wearing pajamas. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> so, oh. Those were our two movies. Um, our next double feature, I believe, is it my pick, Nick? Yep. Okay, which will be. I'm just going to say Borgman, okay, because that's been one I've been wanting to do for a long time, and The Last Circus. 
So okay. they're both on two B. <laughs> are they? Until yeah, they, or they will they be? Yeah. <laughs> or Shutter. So if you want to watch them before we actually the episode comes out, you can. But yeah. So there's that. If those were our picks from Josh. If you have any comments, if you've seen these movies or you watch these movies and then decide to listen to this podcast and you have different ideas on or takes or the same, feel free to comment. Feel free to suggest any kind of obscure independent films that may have come out in the past years or decades even. If you want to suggest them to us, we always want to, you know, we love to hear more suggestions so that we can keep this thing going. And yeah, as always, like, subscribe, rate, whatever you feel like. Give us tips on the local serial killer and where they'll strike next. You know? Yeah. Fuck yeah. But make sure you don't kill this. We won't kill the serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) Bloodhound Picks Podcast is part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Produced by Josh Lee, Craig Drum, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond Seed. Editing by Kyle Hintz.